Coop, how are we doing? It's a great day, Zach. It's a beautiful day. And I had a horrible encounter. No. On this great day. You're kidding. The sun was shining. <sighs> I know. It's, it's a beautiful, beautiful day, day in the neighborhood. Like, just, I mean, if you we're 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 in we're in a new recording. We're in a Dallas studio. sky rise, is where we and are. And let me just say the clouds are cumulonimbus. Beautiful. Right now. They're just the they're like the cotton balls in the sky. Yeah. Mm, gosh. Just and dander. and you'd think that that was gonna mean I was gonna have good encounters all day. And I did for the most part however. <laughs> I did, in fact, have a run-in with a security guard. Talk to me. So I work at an establishment, our local church, actually, mm. Watermark Church, Watermark Community Church. It's an amazing church. Thank you for letting me work here. For the job. For everyone that's listening. <laughs> of course. If you had a part in getting me the job, thank you. But it's an amazing place to work. There, We have a, t- a tower that the church owns that is, like, rented out to other businesses. So, right. like, there's this company called The Worship Initiative. They, they own it. Sky Ranch. Oh, has nice. actually some stuff. If gathering, it's like a women's ministry. Yeah, they have. So like they run out floors. It's a lot of free shout outs over here. Yeah, <laughs> and, and look, I'm not going to uh, confirm or deny that any of these things are good. Yeah, I mean, yeah. I'm sure they're all they're great. great. They're I'm all sure. great. Yeah. Anyway, you're you're running. Yeah. Yeah. So I had lunch, and good. I was coming back from lunch, dropped someone off at that tower at a different location. To see their Is sister this who worked there. A female? It's a female, yes, Zach. Okay, I'm just wondering. I mean, no, nothing. I mean, it's nothing. a female I've enjoyed spending time with. V- good for you. A girlfriend, uh, one might say. Oh, a what? <laughs> a girlfriend, Zach. I have a girlfriend. Wow. We won't drop names. No, Zach. We have we to respect never. people's privacy. I'm an influencer, <laughs> <laughs> and I'm sure that you she want people would rushing just... her in the streets. Exactly. Like, TMZ's on you all the time. I know. It's like you, I mean, there's cameras laid lining this building. Outside. The Razzi out there. Gosh. But folks. Anyway, yeah, I've been dating for about a month, two months now. Just, just a swift lunch she, date, and just we just got lunch. That's how you know it's moved. It's Can not. We, Plan that you just went to lunch. Can I get lunch with my girlfriend? Can I get lunch? I mean, it's just lunch. what was for lunch? We had uh, our taco. I thought you were gonna say Arby's for a second, <laughs> and I was about to be distraught. Just, just coming hot off of last week, even your last week's episode. Oh, yeah, I like Arby's. Okay, but you also like covered parking. That's right. Because you want to save your foreign That's right, yeah, car from hail. So there was covered parking by. It's called the East Tower. Right, right, right. There was covered parking, and because of this. There's probably 40 to 50 spots. Yeah. It's long. It's two rows long. Plenty for your foreign. Plenty. Yeah, I do with the foreign. <laughs> and so I'm pulling in. I'm, it's my girlfriend's act. Yeah. I want to give her the best and the, the greatest experience there is. Of course. So of course, every time she gets in the car, the chariot, I call it sometimes. <laughs> I open her door. Folks, it's a Kia Soul. It's a Kia Soul and it is a foreign car. <laughs> and Cooper is in love with this Kia Soul. Yeah. That's another, that's a story for another I, time. I just think if you're going to drive a Kia Soul, you have to love the you Kia Soul. It. You own it. You, I've tried to start the Kia wave. No one waits back. <laughs> you're the best Kia Soul owner I've I, ever I met. I take pride in that. Sometimes you're so when good. I leave places, I'll play the song, that, you know when the hamster commercial, this or that. That's all. <laughs> I literally play that when I leave locations. Sometimes. One of the most legendary Super Bowl commercials. <laughs> yeah. Anyways, I'm at this covered park. Yes. Yeah, so, oh yeah, covered park. Yeah. And like I said, probably 50 spots, 25 long. It's too. It's too deep. Mm. And I pull in, and like there's probably 15 cars yeah. in this long strip. Yeah. And so I pull in, I park, and then I work in the building next to it. So I was just parking so she could walk up close to the door. Of course, I'm gonna sacrifice and honor her in any way I can. <laughs> It's just lunch. Of course. And uh, from there, I was walking to my 
place of work. Right. You're getting a little tongue tied over yeah, here. Yeah, Are you so all right? I was trying to think. I was, trying to think through, I was having flashbacks. <laughs> Wait, what's PTSD. going on over there? What was happening? Oh, I see. Yeah. And uh, I'm walking and the security guard starts like quick jogging. Not yeah. a sprint. Yeah. But like jogging to me. And so I'm like, okay. I'm looking at the parking lot. I can see. Yeah, yeah. It's wide open. You can see him running towards you. Yeah. yeah. And, and I was like, he was like, hey, hey. Like, not like you're in trouble, but like I'm inquiring. Hey, 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 look at this badge. Stop. <laughs> yeah, hey, stop in the name of the law. <laughs> yeah, he didn't yeah. say that, but he could have. That... And I would have stopped. <laughs> yeah, you would have. And you would have been like, well, why did you say he that? he was like, oh, like, do you work for, he goes, do you work for Sky Ranch? Named for one of the places in the tower. I don't yeah. know. Maybe they have all the parking. I don't know. And I was like, no, I actually work for Watermark. A man of integrity. But I was just, but I was just dropping her off at, a, yeah, I'm a man of integrity. Of course. And my woman's, my woman's right there. Your woman. Yeah. yeah. Girlfriend, woman. Of course. Little of course. mama. <laughs> All the same things. Oh, oh man. man. And Any hoosies. Anyways. Uh, yeah. I was just like, yeah, I work over there. And he's like, oh, like, you can't park here. It's, this is reserved parking. That's messed up. And I just like, I like stop. I look at him. And then I look at the parking. And then I look back at him. Mm. And I was like, oh, like, I just... I, sorry, I didn't realize that. I thought there were a ton of open spots. I, I thought, thought, it, I thought <laughs> it would, I'm looking at a ton of open I, spots. <laughs> I thought it would be okay. So, right. Oh no no no! Like pretty much anywhere you go, covered parking is going to be reserved, so you can't park there. Oh. And I like he was trying to be nice, but I was like, I would hate to be you right now because I hope I hope we're both thinking you're being ridiculous. And you just you went the, to lunch. You just got back I from just lunch. lunch. <laughs> yeah, there's just tacos in my stomach. Right, right, right. My woman by my side. <laughs> Yeah. And uh, yeah, so I was like, of course, I was like, okay, sorry, I went yeah. and moved. Of course. of course, yeah, yeah, respect the right. law. Like I'm not, I'm not, I work at a church. Yeah, respect the For law. Goodness gracious, yeah, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna disrespect this man. He's Easily. doing his job. Easily. Hopefully, he. Thinks, it's just lunch, <laughs> but it was just lunch, guys. We are dating. I don't want to, I don't want to downplay. It wasn't just lunch. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was a lunch date. It was a lunch date. All right, I'm done with that. Bit. Okay, but no, it, was, it was good while yeah, it lasted. Yeah. Great it was good lunch. Anyway. It was mediocre. Our tacos quesos. Seven dollars and twenty five cents, and you think that it would literally be like Totillo's queso dip? Just gold, just twenty four karat magic going down your throat. It, it was not that. It was, uh, it was it was a two dollar. It was worth two dollars. I didn't pay for it. We actually better. double date. It was a double date. Mm. So it actually was just mm. lunch with double date. But oh. again, no names. I, Cooper, I have some easy. experience with covered parking as yeah, well. Yeah, thanks for getting me off. Of this. course. Yeah. It, it was just lunch. But I, I, anyway. Right. You live in an apartment complex. At my apartment complex, there is free parking and then there's paid parking. The paid parking oh. has covered. Yeah, Obviously, I'm not paying Zach, for parking. You're rich, but you're the I'm cheapest not. skate I've ever met. I am one. I'm not one. I am the latter. Yeah, I will yeah, say I am yeah, cheap. Yeah. I'm cheap. He's a cheap guy. I go cheap lunch. That's right. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> he doesn't just get. It's not just lunch. He photosynthesizes at times. So I'm not paying for parking. He doesn't look before it. I well, don't. Just, well, I'll just put it I that don't. way. It, he doesn't drive any Kia. I love my Camry. Here's yeah. the deal. I'm not paying for parking for of me course. or my wife. We're not paying for parking. Right. And you love your bride. I love her. But she can walk. She's <laughs> two perfectly good legs. Yeah, perfectly great. Yeah. And. But also, we've never had to walk far. Right. It's never been a problem. I have parked at your house sometimes and felt like I'm literally like I'm literally putting on my number for my marathon run as I get out of my no. car. Really? <laughs> like twice. Oh, uh, well. It's never happened for me. Yeah, that's great. It hasn't been too bad. Yeah. And I, I would never pay for a spot at your apartment complex. Of course. And I'm just like, I get it if you're a father paying for your daughter's apartment mm-hmm. and she's out of state, you want her to be close. I totally understand okay. that. You that's understand a That's that. a situation I understand. I don't get it. Why would you pay? What about when you're your bride? 
But I'm there. Okay, I'm yeah, there. Yeah. I can yeah. I can take care. Of, like, right. we, we can get you are you were probably within an hour's drive at all times. So like, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. they couldn't steal her for too far. Yeah, they can't like, get too far. Right, they right. bring her back. Right, right. <laughs> anyway, I I just don't get it. Yeah. And maybe it's like hail. It's so, you know, but it is so torrential downpour. Like it's such an underwhelming benefit. Right. Yeah. To, to not paying for that. Like it's close, but it's like. It's only annoying because then there's those two little sidebars. So when you try to open your door, yep. you're just so close yes. to Dinkville where Preach, you just get a dink in your, in your door. And it's like how much? $45 a month? Yes. That's for de- That's How many lunches that's, can I get I for 45 bucks? for me and my woman. And <laughs> well, twice and, probably. And two things of our tacos mediocre queso. <laughs> you could, yeah. You could buy about one thing a, thing a queso from our taco. <laughs> Uh, yeah, so moral of the story, covered parking is not worth it. Yeah, so for those of you that are out there living at your apartment complex and you are contemplating, should I, should I not right. purchase this? Do I like our tacos queso? Do I not? <laughs> Don't try it. It's not great. Yeah. But as you sit there and you see those high society folk that just mm. get out of their covered parking. Just looking they down their, their door, nose as you, yeah. Yeah, just with frustration as they walk up their three flights of stairs. Ugh. Just remember... This podcast is free. Welcome to the Next Generation Leader Podcast, where we believe great leaders are listeners, especially during their youth. Good leaders learn from their successes and mistakes, but great leaders learn from the successes and mistakes of those who go before them. I'm your host, Zach Funderburg, here with my co-host, Coop McCullough. And Coop, I will admit your calves are looking great. Did you have to walk a long way to work today? <laughs> I, actually, I actually didn't park too far, but I do work on the eighth floor. Uh... Do you take the stairs? No, I take the elevator. Of course. But, well, I mean, it's eight floors. That's a lot. That's a lot. I mean, my boss, he, uh, after lunch, he'll take the stairs all the way up. He mm. says it warms him back up. Smart. I'm like, I just go on the elevator. Yeah. Speaking of elevators. Mm. Did this did this conversation elevate you? It elevated me, and it's going to elevate you listening. Mm. Today on the podcast, Google, we have... Mr. Bobby Albert. He spent the last 40 years in businesses growing a business that he took over when he was really young. A sudden death of his father, which is an amazing story, takes over the company at a young age and grows it to a point where he could sell it to a publicly traded company many years later. And since then, he's been writing books and coaching other leaders and other people who are in the same situation that he was. He just released a book called The Freedom Paradox, but that's not the book we're talking about today. Today, we're talking about true north leadership. What does it look like to lead from a true north perspective and what does it look like to be a value-driven leader who leads a value-driven team in a values-driven company. A lot of companies and a lot of businesses know what their business uh, values are. They know what their mission statement is because they read it on a wall, but it's not infused within the company. They don't truly know it because it's not lived out by everyone. We need to change that. We need to know what our values are, one as a leader, and then two as a company. And Bobby talks about that today. I'm so excited to share this episode with all of y'all. And so here he is, without any further ado, Mr. Bobby Albert. Well, Bobby, thank you so much for spending some time uh, with me today over the Zoom call. You're in Wichita Falls. And I'm in Dallas, just a small, uh, I guess, drive away from each other. But thank you for being on. I want you to start by just introducing yourself, kind of who are you? What does your career path look like? And how did you get to the point where you're at today? Well, uh, I'm Bobby Albert, and uh, 
when I was a little boy, uh, I, I was one of those fortunate people to be able to hang out with my dad a lot. Mm. And uh, I, I, you know, uh, because of that, uh, I'm in our business. I uh, knew all of the bankers, the people that handle our insurance, because my dad started a business in 1938. That's a long wow. time ago. Wow. And uh, so, and, and I got to, you know, know many other people that uh, my dad worked with and things. And, uh, but there, when I was 20 years old, uh, life was really good. Hmm. I had just, you know, since you're at a university, I just graduated uh, from uh, our local university uh, here in Wichita Falls. I became engaged to marry my wife. Hmm. So life was indeed very good. Uh, now, there's one evening I will never forget. Uh, I was playing foosball with my college buddies uh, when a friend came up to me and said, Bobby, your dad's in the emergency room. He's had a heart attack. Mm. So we uh, uh, rushed to the hospital. And upon seeing me, my mom quickly got up as our family doctor was walking uh, toward us. He drew in a deep breath and said, I couldn't save him. My mom and I were absolutely stunned. Mm. And in an instant, I became the leader of our small five-employee business. And soon I discovered we were heavy in debt. Uh, all the debt was short-term. In other words, it was due less than a year. And our debt, now get this, our debt was about the same as our total gross revenue. Hmm. Not good. I mean, financially, we were way, way upside down. Right. And I was in crisis mode every day, much like we're all experiencing today during these challenging health and economic times, along with things going on in our country that has the hurt and unrest that's going on. Yeah. However, we survived, then thrive, and ultimately grew to over 150 employees. Wow. And uh, I was, and, and through, the, through the tough times, I learned that everyone can build a successful life business, or even a church by applying uh, what I have learned over the many years of being the CEO of our company that eventually I end up selling my company to a publicly traded company. Hmm. That's pretty amazing. I think everyone would be thinking right now, how did you get out of debt? how did you do it? When you first became CEO, how'd you do it? Well, <laughs> Uh, it was, I tell you what, it was tough because, uh, uh, I was faced with, uh, uh, for some reason, my dad had three bankers and the three bankers wanted to shut us down. Mm. 
Fortunately, one of them wanted to give me a chance. You got to realize I'm 20 years old. Yeah. And uh, one of them wanted to give me a chance because I've, if you looked at, they're looking across the desk, this 20 year old, is he going to help us get this debt paid off? You yeah, know? Yeah. And so, um, so I was, that was one thing I was faced with. The other thing I was faced with is uh, I had to ask these five employees to take a pay cut. Mm. And, and I tell you what, you can just think about it today. If you had to ask your employees to take a pay cut, it's not going to be a happy day. Right. But I tell you what, uh, my dad really took well, took care of our employees. And they had a lot of respect for him. Hmm. And I, as I was going, even starting in when I was 12 years old, my dad let me go out on my first job uh, with the crew. And, uh, but he gave me some wise advice then hmm. uh, is that he said, Bobby, when you go out there, I don't want you to act like the boss's son. Hmm. Now, I, I, I can't explain it, but at 12 years old, I knew exactly what my dad meant. Right. And so from that day forward, when I went out, uh, I, I acted, I, I took on this servant leadership. I was there to serve the crew. Mm. And uh, I, I can't explain it, but uh, that I understood that. And, but I think out of all these years that I had worked side by side, many of these, I mean, these five employees, uh, is they knew of my work ethic. They knew of my integrity. Um, uh, they, they had confidence in me. Hmm. And I think uh, uh, that led the combination of their uh, respect for my dad and uh, knowing that, uh, they really wanted to help me uh, be successful. That this is hard to believe. Every one of those five employees agreed to the pay cut. Mm. Now, I tell you what, when I met with them one on one, you're talking about a nervous wreck. Right. I mean, I've never had that kind of discussion with anybody in my whole life. I mean, mm. I, I was shaking, my lips were shaking, I was sweating, and I met with them one-on-one, -on -one, you know, and, uh, uh, but I was shocked that I got 100% acceptance. The, one of the other things I had to do is I sold my personal car so I could pay for some of that debt. Wow. But it so happened, uh, one of our employees, my dad had furnished a vehicle for and a company vehicle, and uh, that person, uh, that guy, uh, he drove right by my house uh, every day. And so uh, I asked him, would he mind picking me up every morning and then taking me home in the evening? Mm. And uh, did you know he did that for about two years? It's amazing. It, it, it really is. And, um, I mean, he would wait for me, you know, in the evenings, cause I was trying to get some work done, you know, trying mm -hmm. to get things ready for the next, he would always wait for me and take me home. And, uh, 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 but I tell you what, 
people like uh, like these people, these five employees plus other people that came beside me and helped me is that within that first year, uh, we grew our revenue <clears throat> by 252% mm. and we had the highest profit in the history of our company. Mm. And, and so, but I tell you what, I mean, it was like scraping and scraping every day yeah. to yeah. just to keep things going. I can imagine. And, you know, I mean, they wasn't much money in the bank account. And if you can imagine those bankers said, Bobby, now you got to make this go because we're not loaning you any more money. Mm. So I had to have the cash flow to be able to not only pay off the debt, but uh, to be able to run the company, you know, mm. and it was just hard. It was yeah. hard. But once uh, after that first year, all of a sudden they started opening up to loan me more money. And mm -hmm. I started, I'm the, Hey, in my company, I was like the innovator. I mean, I was constantly uh, trying something new in our company. Yeah. And that's how we grew the business uh, over those years. It seems like you really took that servant leadership approach to heart and just the the thing it's such a big deal of selling your car in order to keep the business running. Uh, you really have to do whatever it takes to make those sacrifices to keep the business going forward, especially through those difficult days. And I'm sure it's out of these experiences and everything you've learned from watching your father and then also from taking over the company at such a young age has led to what you're doing now and the books that you've written, specifically the book that we want to talk about today, True North Business. Why did you write that book? What's the inspiration for it? And what does true North business mean? Well, those are very good questions. Um, I, I um, uh, continuing this servant leader uh, attitude yeah. is I, I've, uh, you know, after I sold my company, a publicly traded company, I could have gone, you know, sat on the beach and just enjoy life. Right. But uh, I, I tell people I'm living my second half of life. Hmm. And so it's my desire to come beside uh, uh, business leaders like people came beside me to help me. And um, but the thing I've learned with business leaders is uh, I keep hearing some reoccurring thoughts is I've got people problems. Uh, and, you know, I. You know, and especially nowadays, right now, there's so many people that are uh, jumping ship, you know, from business leaders there uh, that may have been with the company for a long time. They're now seeking employment somewhere else. Or our business leader was saying, I don't know where I'm going or, uh, or uh, I'm too busy to, you know, to do what I, I know what I need to do, but I, I, man, I'm just, I've got work to do, you know, right. kind of thing. So I wrote the book uh, to offer these overwhelming leaders a clear path forward uh, that not, not only can they learn how to grow their people, but they can use that, you know, grow themselves, grow their people, and then eventually they can grow their business and get their life back. Yeah. And so to answer the second question about what is true North business mean, it's kind of related to uh, like the hiker in the, in the, 
you know, a hiker going out into the woods and uh, they want to chart their course, you know, using, uh, you know, the unchanging reference of true north and they take a compass with them. And, uh, and just like that is the unchanging principles and uh, in a business that can uh, be used as a reference point to lead their people. And so uh, to be honest with you, something I think you very well understand uh, is that in another way, true north is really Jesus Christ. And so uh, he's our compass. And so, but what I find that leaders are just flat out so busy with their day-to-day uh, tasks that they're trying to achieve, uh, they don't know much about where they're going. Right. And, and they need help uh, to uh, get away from just wandering and, uh, and ways to equip them to lead with confidence. Mm. And you, there's a quote that you used in the book. It's by uh, John Maxwell. It says, anyone can steer the ship, but it takes a leader to chart the course. And when you're thinking about leadership and charting the course and finding that true north, we, we establish both as, as believers, as Christian servant leaders, that true north for us is Jesus Christ. But whenever you're establishing or leading a business, how do you discern, how do you create these values to create the value-driven company? What, what are you looking for? Well, hey, that's another great question. You know, uh, in my company, for many years, our people clearly understood uh, what our purpose was. In other words, why we existed and our vision, where we were going. And they also understood, and I call them uh, super objectives. And these are things that are in the book. Uh, some people, some organization may call them their mission. Uh, but our employees clearly understood those, and we were doing quite well. Uh, but I kept thinking, something is missing. Something is missing. And uh, it, it just really bugged me. And, you know, I do a lot of bicycling uh, uh, over the years. Uh, and, you know, I, I've, I have ridden over 100,000 miles on my bike. And it's pretty amazing. Well, I tell you what, I call it my being on that bike is kind of like I went bicycling this morning. Um, and uh, it, it's it's like my thinking chair. It's a yeah. time that I also use that time to pray. Mm -hmm. And uh, so these thoughts were keep coming back to me. Something is missing. Something is missing. And uh, finally, I, I discovered that it was our core values, who we are as an organization. And uh, so actually, to be honest with you, it's still, once I declared that, it still took me two and a half years to figure out who I was. Right. Because I tell you what, the most, uh, you know, but, you know, besides uh, uh, your decision you know, who do you say Jesus Christ is, is until you get to that point, I would say maybe, maybe one of your next most important question is asking yourself the question, you know, like your listening audience today is who are you? Right. And most of us can't answer that. Hmm. Uh, and so, uh, so I was, man, 
I, it was a struggle. Who am I? You know, God help me, you know? Uh, and uh, that's the reason why it took me two and a half years. And so one day, uh, after actually after church, uh, I, uh, after I got home, I, it was like, you know what? I'm ready to figure, I'm ready to figure out who I am. Mm. And so I sat down in a chair, took out a yellow tablet and just started, you know, praying and thinking. And, uh, I, I thought, well, you know what? I'm just going to, uh, take a, you know, a T chart. In other words, you know, prepare on a yellow, on that yellow tablet, you know, like a T, yep. uh, one side or, you know, what are some positives and the other was negatives, uh, because I was trying to think at first I made a list, uh, of things that I, I just made a list. I just put words down, just, yeah. I mean, just random words made a list. And that's when I thought, you know what? Uh, I'm going to look on the other side of the coin here. And because these were like my positive thoughts. Right. Uh, and I thought, well, what are some negative things? So I started, I made another list. Well, what surprised me, I noticed there were some similar words on both sides of the T chart. So I circled it and it turned out there were six of them. And so when I, uh, I started looking at those and looking at them and looking at them, I, it finally occurred to me, that is who I am. Mm. Now, very fortunate, our people in human resource, uh, the HR department, fortunately, they knew what the kind of people I was wanting to employ in our company. And I mean, to the best way they could, they have been hiring people of the same core values right. all these years. And so our company was filled with people of the same core values. I just couldn't figure out how to put it down in some words. And so I finally discovered who I was. And uh, when, when I introduced uh, who we were as our company, uh, this is kind of, it, it took us a whole half a day uh, to go through this. And let me, if I may share. Of course. Uh, how, how we roll this out in our company is uh, I had them play, you know, there's a TV show, uh, uh, called the wheel of fortune. It's of a course. game show. Yeah. Okay. Well, what I did, I created a, a game board called the wheel of values. Mm. And what we did, we had like six, sometimes eight people, uh, seated at, at a table. And, um, uh, so you can imagine, you know, we had a lot of people and a lot of tables and so each table played the game of the will of values. And we took one value at a time. They were six of them. And, you know, in the game of will of fortune, you guess the phrase. Well, these people really got into this about playing that game to guess the first core value that uh, we 
played in the game. Now I tell you where the interest was too, is behind me was a huge spinning wheel. And the team that was going to, the team that guessed the right correct phrase, they got to go, they could assign somebody to go in from their table to go spin the wheel. Now, yeah. now I tell you what, this wheel, uh, they, they wasn't like a 60 inch color television on there, but they was some nice gifts that were on that spinning wheel. Right. And so, I mean, people were standing up at their table to play this game. And, and then after, uh, they, um, uh, after, you know, we had somebody that guessed, you know, a table that guessed it, I then shared, uh, you know, personal stories. Where did this come from? And I told stories like back when I was a little boy. I mean, stories that a lot of people never heard me talk about before. Yeah. And then uh, the third thing we did is that I had each table, I had a flip chart uh, for each table and I had them go to discuss on that particular core value, how we were going to live it out in our company. So by the time they got through with all playing the game, hearing my story, and then participating in how we were, the decision, how we were going to live that, that particular core value out is that uh, when you got to realize this is the reason why it took us a whole half a day, because we had six of these. And I use that same method to roll it, roll out those core values. Now, uh, you know, one thing, uh, Zach, that I, I know it got your attention yeah. is I, <clears throat> I, uh, discovered as well that I wanted to be a values driven company that achieve results, not a results driven company, uh, that has values hmm. and there's a there's a huge difference between those two companies. Huge difference. Yes. And if, if I might share a little more about that, because I, I do a lot of coaching with executives yeah. and not too many of them uh, know their core values, but the ones that do, um, they, they're, you know, if I, when I've walked into a lobby of a business, they may be on the wall but really that's all there is. They're just mm -hmm. on the wall. If you go deeper in the organization and talk to the employees, they don't even know what those core values are, or, or they don't even mean anything to them. Right. And <clears throat> what I have found is that uh, those are truly uh, not authentic, mm -hmm. genuine core values, yeah. or they would be living them out. Uh, within their organization. They're more like aspirations. Mm -hmm. And and all they are is just something on the wall and they don't mean anything to the employees. But the key to the core values, this is how you want your, your people to behave as they pursue the purpose, as they pursue the vision, as they pursue the super objectives or mission and the strategies of, of the organization. And uh, that is the huge difference between a values-driven company and that achieve results. 
and versus a results-driven company that has values. And if I may share this as well, is that yeah. I introduced those core values in 2005. I sold my company in 2011. Mm. And let me share this with you. Uh, you know, uh, probably not so much of your listening audience, uh, even you about this, but uh, in late 07, uh, 08, 09, and 2010, the economy was in the tank. The Great Recession. Yeah, the Great Recession. Mm. And uh, But even at that, during that, that six-year period, we grew our, once our people clearly understood who we were, because they were like discovering who they were. Yeah. So inside the organization, this is one of the research has proved out the strength of an organization is everybody having the same core values. Mm. Uh, and so, but let me just share this is that from that 2005, 2011, we grew our revenue and profits at 500%. Pretty amazing. Yeah, it really is. Mm. I mean, um, we were very profitable before, but once we introduced those core values, we generated extraordinary profits for my industry. If, the, if my industry knew how profitable we were, they would just say, oh, he's lying. That's mm -hmm. not, that's how profitable we were. What was the industry again? Well, it was a glamorous business. Yeah. It was the moving and storage business. That's great. But we, we had grown the company where it was not only nationwide, but it was also we did international work. And 99% of our business was outside of our city. We were moving people like from Los Angeles to Chicago or from, yeah. you know, Washington, D.C. to Florida or something. Yeah. You know, it was just that was that was 99% of our business. Of course, I, I mean, anything... I want to go back and repeat uh, really what you were talking about earlier is that I want to be a values driven company that achieves results, not a results driven company that has values. Just like you said, there's so many companies that have either their mission statement or even their core values, as they would call them, plastered on the wall. But if you ask anybody to repeat them, they can't because they don't know. They don't have that real true north business model where we have results that are going to drive our our results. Or we're going to we have we have values values that are going to drive our results rather than results that drive our values. And that's a huge framework shift for a lot of businesses, but also for a lot of leaders, because I think goals are really great. Goals are good and you have something to strive for. But if you have that kind of framework of this is how we're going to get there, this is why we do what we do, and this is how we act to get there that's how people are going to achieve those goals that you want to get to. And so I think that's really so important. And there's so many great things that you said in there about how you rolled them out as well. You, you, you put them out. This is what it's going to be. You made it fun and engaging. And then you also were up there and you got to tell the story of this is why we're, we're doing this. This is the story behind this value. And then this is how it's going to be implemented in what we do in our daily business. I think I just don't want our listeners to, to miss that, that we are going to be values-driven companies. We're going to be values-driven leaders 
that achieves results rather than results-driven leaders that happen to have values plastered on the wall. I think that's a very important thing that I didn't want our, our leaders on and our listeners to miss. And in this book, True North Business, you also talk about two common leadership problems. What are these two problems? And then how do we stray away from falling into these? Oh, man, that's another great question. Yeah. I, uh, because in my early going, I violated both of them. No, I bet we uh, all have. Yeah, well, uh, for many years, uh, I was the, you know, I mentioned earlier, I was the innovator. So I was like the idea person. Mm. And uh, when, when, when I got an idea, my, my, my leadership style back then is I would come up with all the questions on my own. I would do all the research on my own and come up with all of the answers on my own. Mm. Then I would go to our leadership team and basically said, look what I've done for you. Yeah. And it would take me years to implement and execute on a good idea. Well, uh, and so uh, fortunately, uh, a, a guy, uh, a consultant, he did what they know today is called a 360 evaluation. Mm. And uh, it was all kept confidential. I still today don't know who said what. But uh, uh, what came out of that is that uh, what, what he helped me discover was our leadership team were saying, Bobby, when you get an idea, get us involved on the front end, not on the back end. Because yeah. we want to help you. Well, be honest with you, when I first heard it, it made me mad. Of course. Because I, I was thinking, well, they don't appreciate me. They don't appreciate all that research and work mm -hmm. I did to come up with, because they got their job to do, you know. Yeah. And a uh, good thing, <laughs> boy, good thing I had a night to sleep on it. Because the next morning when I got up, and I just say it's a God thing, is that I... I understood that they wanted the, for my best interests, they gave honest answers yeah, and they did it confidentially. And, uh, I need to really listen to what they had to say. Mm. And so, uh, I changed my leadership style. Now, part of this thing about, and I call that the lone ranger lone ranger. Okay. Yeah. Now, the Lone Ranger uh, leads to the second uh, problem with most leaders. And I call it the iceberg of ignorance. Hmm. And there's a Japanese uh, researcher that uh, did some research that the, what they found is the leader at the top of the organization really, really, really knows only 9% of what's going on on the front line. Wow. I'm sorry. It's 4%. Wow. And the leader, the lead. Yeah. Only 4%. And the leadership team, uh, knows 9%. I see. 
of what's really, really going on the front line. Now, I'm talking about a top-down type of organization. And that's what I, that's the way my leadership style was. Yeah. Basically, I'd, I'd go around and tell people what they needed to do. So they just waited for me to tell them. Mm. But I, uh, so the first, you know, is the Lone Ranger. The second is the, uh, uh, the iceberg of ignorance. Yeah. And uh, what I finally uh, figured out that if I begin to, which is a key word today, is begin to in, engage the employees in the decision-making process. It's mainly known as a participative type of leadership style. And what I'm talking about is, and I call it the one, two, three. We actually had a physical button in our company called the one, two, three. And uh, what, what, it's, what, it's, what it stands for is that, uh, is that at the beginning of the decision-making process and before you make a decision, talking about the leader, yep. you ask yourself three questions. Okay. And it's uh, who can help me make a better decision? Who will be impacted by that decision? And who's going to have to carry it out? And when I uh, came up with names that went with those questions that I had the responsibility to get them involved in the decision-making process. Hmm. See, what was happening before is that leadership team, they had zero ownership because they did not participate in a coming up with the decision. Yeah. If you use the example just a while ago, when we were talking about when you, uh, you know, did a quick review of uh, how we rolled out our core values. Well, when I got, see, this is an example here is when I engaged our employees to come up with how we are going to roll these out, how are we going to live them out in our company? Yeah. Well, by them, one core value at a time, having those, those discussions uh, is that they started also owning it. Mm. And that was, see, this is a value of, this is the difference between a values-driven company that, I mean, a, that, ha, that achieves results and yeah. a results-driven company that has values. Uh, because I can assure you those those companies that had the values on a wall, the the owner, the the you know the executive or the leader of that business, uh, they just told the people what uh, art. These are our core values. Now go live them out. That's yeah. about all it was done. But the people had no ownership in it, mm. and so. Uh, uh, so that's how, uh, that's one of the tools I, uh, uh, I found that would help. Now, let me, if I can add one other thing here, cause this ties way back. You remember me talking about that servant leader? Of course. Back when I was 12 years old. Well, uh, early on, I was already moving in this direction, but 
you know, in our company, we had the traditional organization chart, you know, yeah. like me at the top, the leadership team, yep. and all the way down to frontline people. Well, what I did, and this is a big, this is a big plus here, a change, is I took that organization chart and turned it upside down. Hmm. Now, let me say this, the traditional organization chart, we had one still, you know, when I sold the company, because people need to understand roles and responsibilities. Of course. But when I turn it upside down, uh, oh, let me just say this on the standard organization, yes, that signals to all employees that they are there to serve who? The person mm -hmm. at the top of the organization. Yeah. So when I turn that organization chart upside down and put me in the bottom, mm. and it was my job to serve in a and a uh, to develop and equip uh, equip the leadership team. They knew it was their job as servant leaders to serve in a you know a equip a develop and equip. Uh, the next, you know, supervisors all the way up to the top of the organization and yeah. the frontline people were at the top of the organization. Mm. Now, let me just share this with you is above those frontline people was a big emphasis in our company that to serve our customers, mm. the customer was up there, but even above the customer was Jesus Christ. Because, mm. see, I, I way back many years ago, I started seeing my work as a ministry and not a job. And it took on a whole different flavor. And, uh, uh, and our employees, I don't know who was a Christian or not in the organization, but they clearly knew that Bobby Albert was a Christian. Yeah. Because uh, when we, Four times a year, we'd have a company-wide meetings, and I was always share uh, Colossians 3, uh, 23 and 24. Yeah. And, uh, and, you know, that what, it, what that identifies, and I can go into more detail about, you know, how I, when I read those two verses, but what's key there is that our employees clearly knew that when they came to work every day, they came for a greater purpose mm -hmm. uh, and to serve the Lord Jesus Christ. That's the, one of the few key words in those two verses. Yeah. And, and it takes on a whole different flavor that you, you come to work with greater purpose, with, with more something more meaningful, uh, and, and then you can see the fulfillment of it. Mm. And nowadays it's just like a lot of, you know, churches are struggling because, uh, people come to church, not looking for information. They are looking for transformation. They're right. looking for something that's more meaningful, you know, more impactful, more, uh, you know, with a strong purpose, uh, that, that, it's kind of the difference between knowing about God and knowing God. Yeah. 
Hmm. Yeah, I think it's so important. I love what you said there, the transformation, not information. I think that's a lot of what your employees are looking for too, but also to recap just what those issues were, the Lone Ranger style of leadership. I mean, I have the, the, the answers to all of our problems. Here they are. Now you guys go execute them. Every, we know that every Lone Ranger needs his Tonto. And then the iceberg of ignorance is that really leaders only know about 4% of what's going on. So whenever you do flip that organizational chart, you can say, you're on the front lines, you know what the customers need, you know what's going on, what are the solutions that, or what are the problems that I'm not even seeing? And then in turn, what are the solutions to those problems? Because you're dealing with it on a daily basis. And I think that's such an important thing to think through. And then the questions you brought up of who can, who can help with the decision making, who's going to be impacted by the decision, and then who is going to carry it out. And let's get those people in a room to think through what the solution is to our problem. I think those are great things to think through. And then you also in the book, uh, just talk about purpose and vision. I think purpose and vision are both two things that really go hand in hand with being a values driven company. You've got to know your company's purpose and you've got to know the vision. You got to know why you're doing it and where you're going. So what's the difference between purpose and vision and how do you incorporate that into being a values driven company? Well, uh, we, uh, in our company, uh, we had another physical button, you know, like I was mentioned earlier, yeah. and it was called WOW. Hmm. And so when we first <clears throat> introduced our purpose and vision, uh, we uh, gave everybody these T-shirts that had the, uh, it, it looked like a button on the T-shirt and it had the word WOW. Yeah. Well, uh but what we did, we uh, when when we came together as a company-wide meeting, the first W stood for why we exist. That was our purpose. Mm. The the O in the word wow, it didn't stand for anything. The second W stood for where are we going? And that's our vision. Yeah. And that's the main difference between those two. And again, we shut down the company for a half a day and we talked about, uh, we talked about, you know, uh, like on the purpose, you know, why do we even exist as a company? Mm. And actually our purpose at that time uh, was, uh, customers for life. So that's the reason why you can understand why the customer was so high up in our, our upside down organization. Of and and uh, you remember talking about uh, will of values, having fun, you know, of course. Yeah. Well, we played, I, you know, everybody has played the game, uh, uh, monopoly. Yep. Well, we played a game called Moveopoly. Hmm. And I created a game board that looked like a Monopoly board. Now, it was a lot simpler. Right. And uh, see, prior to playing that game, getting there, engaging our employees, like, uh, you know, what does it look like when we serve our customer well? Hmm. The other, the opposite side was what happens when we fail to serve? Hmm. And so uh, those, the, what they listed on their flip chart, 
is uh, those ended up, they would take that list, those two lists, and that created the cards that they were going to play off. You know, on Monopoly, you roll yeah. a dice yeah. and then you get to pull a card. Of course. Well, if it was a positive card, you got to move your your symbol, you know, your uh, you know, forward. But yeah. if it was negative, you had to go backwards. Right. So, uh, and that's talking about the failure. So what was going on is them having a great time. Mm -hmm. It was constantly reinforcing what they said, not Bobby Albert standing in front of a meeting to just say, Hey, don't mess up. You know, uh, we got to take care of the customer instead of me just saying it, you know, tell, 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 like I used to do is we engage your employees. It was their own words that they were playing the game and they were having a ball at it. Now, mm-hmm. can you see how it just constantly reinforced because uh, they took ownership now? Yeah, and I think ownership is, the. I mean, it's a big point that you keep coming back to is once that you put it really in their hands and they take ownership of it, it really takes hold in the company. And that's where that wow factor comes in. They know why they exist <laughs> and they know where they're going. And I think it's so important that we realize that and create that kind of wow moment where it's fun and it sticks with them. And so they know each day when they're coming to work, they don't have to just walk by a wall with values that really mean nothing because there's no substance to them, but it it really infuses into what they do and it really collides uh, with why they're doing it and where they're going. I think it, uh, it's such, this has all been so uh, good. And I would encourage really anyone to go get this book, True North Business. If you want to become that values driven company that achieves results because results have to follow values. They're always downstream from values. But Bobby, I want to ask you just one more question that we love asking all of our leaders is what advice would you give to your 20 year old self? We know for you, the 20 year old self would be a brand new CEO taking over a company. You're in the middle of a lot is happening in your life, but you're about to take over a company. You're trying to pull it out of debt. You're about to have to ask people to take some pay cuts in order to do that. You're about to have to sell your car and ride with one of your employees to work every day. So what would you tell your 20 year old self? Well, uh, so many of people at 20 years old, they're here soon. If they haven't already, they're going to be, uh, going to job interviews Mm -hmm. to perhaps, uh, here, you know, but you know, while they're still going to school, uh, it may be less critical, but when they graduate and they're now looking for serious, you know, part of their career here is my, my advice would be, uh, is, uh, I realize that you're going to an interview, Mm. but take on the role that you're there just as much to interview the company. Mm. And before you get there, you know, dig deeper into their website, uh, perhaps talk to people. Uh, hopefully you'll find out what are, I, actually I call them the essentials, uh, is the core values, the purpose, the vision, and the super objectives or slash uh, mission of the organization and see if it, if it's an alignment of who you are, why you exist, 
where you're going in your life and what is your super objective or mission in life, what you want to accomplish. And so in other words, when you go to that interview to seek, you know, your real career job, maybe your first one is be prepared to ask questions. Yeah. Not to so much, you know, I'm sure, you know, in the interview, they're going to go through questions and then it's like, okay, well, the interview is over with, and now you can go, but ask for permission uh, to that. You have some questions that you'd like to get some answers to. Mm-hmm. And I guarantee you, uh, uh, that's kind of funny for me, the way I say it, I'll guarantee you, <laughs> you know, uh, of course that's my Texas, you know, swing coming in here. Uh, of course. That's some of that Wichita falls. There it is. Yeah. Yeah. But, uh, you, they are going to be extremely impressed with you yeah. by the questions you ask and you're asking some high discovery questions that you're seeking answers to. Hmm. I think it's very important. And you make a good point of being interested. Are there any questions that you uh, would suggest? Well, I, uh, you know, I would, uh, you you know, stay focused on, you know, the core values, the purpose and vision, uh, because what I have found in our, like in our company, especially is the core values that our our employees were aligned of the same core values. Mm -hmm. And the research shows that when you have employees within the company, that their core values, their core values are aligned with yours. Yep. Uh, Actually the research, the term was used. It's like a cult inside your organization yeah which can turn some people off but in in reality it's just i mean it's a lot of people going towards the same mission just hopefully it's not the same as some cults that come to mind when you first uh, no, hear the no. word <laughs> yeah but but see uh this is this is a key factor in what i call you know it's a word you hear all the time called teamwork hmm. and i see <clears throat> what i'm about ready to share with you uh it, you'd almost have to really listen to it very closely because yeah. the words are kind of interchanged as similar words, but it, it, in, you know, uh, in that organization, uh, that you may be going to an interview is, uh, you want to uncover is, uh, the people that are working there currently are, are they working as a, uh, individuals on a team or a team of individuals. Mm. There's a big difference. Huge. Yeah. And because so many organizations there's there, and you see it in sports, the most successful, especially, I mean, it doesn't make any difference. You're talking about, you know, in high school or college, but in professional sports, where you've got, you know, you got a lot of personalities there. Oh, tons. They're making yeah. lots of money. And, um, but even if they are doing, you know, they, they're making a lot of money. If you have a team of individuals, mm. you, you'll, you'll, you'll win championships. Right. But, but the teams that are individuals on the team, 
In other words, they're all interested about me. You know, it's all about me, my position, you know, all these kind of things. Do I get to play enough? You know, yeah. it's all about me. They're individuals. They're on the same team, but they're more interested in them as an individual. Uh, they'll win games, yeah. but they'll never win the championship. Yeah, that's so good to remember just to have that humility to think about the teams first and such good practical advice. As you might be listening to this heading to a job interview or heading on the way you have one in the coming weeks or you're looking for a job and you're just preparing for interviews in the future to make sure you ask questions so that the interviewer knows that you're interested and you're just, and remember the essentials that you're looking for the core values, the purpose, the vision, the mission, and then once you get the job. Remember, you just are an individual on the bigger team with a bigger purpose and to play your part, to do your role every day, work hard, come in so the team can win a championship. I think that's such good and practical advice, Bobby. Thank you so much for giving it to us and for your time today. It's been an honor and a pleasure to be with you. Well, it's been a pleasure as well. And may I offer your audience a free gift? Yes, of course. Please do. I well, forgot about this. Go well, ahead. Well, that's fine. Uh, is uh and i i'm sure you're gonna have some show notes and yeah we'll put it in the show notes yeah is that it's bobbyalbert.com uh, slash culture checkup and what it is it's a workplace culture assessment and uh you know since so many of your you know your audiences uh you know, maybe a student or maybe just recently graduated. It's an assessment tool that you can use to even evaluate where you're going to go to work. Hmm. Yeah, please go do that. And then also on that website, they can also find your books. What are the titles of your other books and how can they find them? Well, uh, is that you can go to bobbyalbert.com and you can click on, a, a, you know, the, the image, but uh, I've published uh, three books total. You know, the one we've been talking about is uh, True North Business. Uh, my first one was called Principal Profits. Mm -hmm. uh, the subtitle of that is Outward Success is an Inside Job. And that yep. ties in with a lot of what we're talking well, about here. And uh, my third book, which is a, a different, uh, it's called The Freedom Paradox. Mm -hmm. And uh, it's really talking about uh, taking what I did in public in writing that manuscript, it took all these uh, uh, practical uh, business principles and applied at how we can reunite uh, the United States of America. Well, it's something we need now, the freedom paradox. Go get them. Go find them at bobbyalbert.com and take your free culture assessment. See what, what the workplace is like or where you are headed to work in a few weeks. But, Bobby, thank you so much for your time. It's been an honor. Yes, well, thank you. It's a pleasure to get to know you, Zach. <laughs>